Robert, what was your motivation for directing Making a Killing? I was motivated to make Making a Killing because of what every one of us, every sane human being is seeing happening in our country, which is totally unnecessary and totally preventable death and destruction in the most horrific manner, driven by the greed and ideology of the NRA. And I decided back then that we needed to go right at the cause or a partial cause, and that was the NRA. No one had taken them on directly, and I decided, even though I've been warned by many we shouldn't, that it was time to do it. How did you come up with the structure of your film? With every film that we do, we make a decision early on in terms of the approach, and most critically, the research and finding the stories one of the things I like to say about our work is we put a face on policy. Well, that face becomes critically important. Whatever the film, whether it's the Koch brothers or drones or the NRA or upcoming film on voter suppression. So what I did was I dug into the research and realized there were three or four or five or six very consistent different kinds of gun violence, suicide, domestic violence violence. Uh, and so the goal that I set for myself and the team was to try to find a strong story in each one of these categories. I mean, sadly, we could have found thousands of domestic abuse stories because there have been so many thousands of suicides. But our goal was to find one story in each area. The hardest one was finding a parent whose child had been killed by a gun accident and I didn't think we'd be able to but fortunately the research and the outreach we were able to find all of these amazing and painful stories and then I went around the country interviewing each of the people after <clears throat> we found them we talked to them in advance they were agreeable and then the next step was the actual film are you also targeting the groups that are opposing any gun control laws in your film. With this film, our goal was not to affect the people who are complete uh, loyalists to the NRA and who support either because it's in their financial interest or because of the ideology that everyone should have guns. But there's a huge percentage of the country that's not in that small faction. And by the way, the number of people with each painful and horrible tragedy, the number of people wanting common sense, logical gun control uh, gets greater and greater every day. Our job was to reach those people. And we did have over 1,500 screenings of the film all around the country. And it continues today in schools, in churches, in homes, in bookstores, the film is constantly being shown. And with each tragedy, we get more requests because the film is free and it's a way that people can do something. They can show the film, they can organize, they can call their elected officials, uh, ballot initiatives, many different options where the film is a tool for the activism. 
making a killing is an episodic thing, but at the same time, there is a relation and also connection between the different parts of it that unites the whole film in order. Yes, uh, well, it took a lot of effort and time and thinking through, and ultimately it became each section had a slightly different aesthetic. Each section was like, it's what made it so hard on the creative level, each section was like telling a, doing a small story, a short film of seven, 10, 12 minutes, whatever each section was. So with each section, I looked for a different style and was because part of that was to keep the audience's interest, to keep the variety, and also the story of gun deaths in Chicago because of gun trafficking is a very different story than somebody who's committing suicide, which is very different than a woman who's been subjected, she and her son, to a domestic abuser. So we, we work to find different styles for each of those stories. How has been the outreach of Making a Killing? We have now at Brave New Films more people working on outreach and distribution than actually working on the content creation. So we put a lot, a lot of energy into those 1500 screenings and we had them in Washington, D.C. We had them for senators. We've had them for members of the House of Representatives. We've shown them at legislatures around the country. Um, and it's an ongoing effort so that the elected officials are able to see and importantly feel this issue. You know, we, I'm a believer strongly in first you reach the heart and then the mind. Uh, oftentimes people will start with the mind and that's their choice. I think where film can be impactful in a way that a news article is not or a white paper is not. The way film can be impactful is by reaching the heart. So we spend a lot of time on that and then we spend even more time and effort in making sure the films are widely distributed. And because we're a nonprofit, we're fortunate enough to be able to offer them for free. We have thousands of teachers and educators who use our films now with free study guides. We have five, six, seven hundred faith leaders who use the films with reflection guide at Houses of Faith. Um, we now have a big effort to reach the independent bookstores with the films. We're going to be working on reaching the libraries. So there are many ways today, which is exciting, to reach this large, diverse audience. Elected officials are an important piece of it, but not the only piece. Have families of the victims of gun violence who has been portrayed in the film had a chance to see the film and what has been their reactions? Well, some of them felt they could not watch it, that it would be too emotionally troubling. Many of them who did were extremely complimentary. Several of them have been using it in their activism and their speaking around the country. Um, the mother whose son was killed in the accident considers it a way of keeping him alive and virtually everybody who agreed to participate agreed for the same reason 
they all acknowledged it was painful to talk about it. And they all acknowledged that in talking about it and participating in this film, they hoped that this horrific death would have meaning beyond the death of their relative friend or child. I know I asked this question before, but I'm still interested to know a little bit more about the chances of bringing a change to the culture of loving guns. Well, culture change is very, very difficult, as I was saying before. But I, and here we have the culture married to capitalism at its worst, where profit, greed, making a buck is motivating so many people at the NRA and so many elected officials and all the people in the gun companies and the people owning stock in the gun companies. So taking on culture and capitalism together is a very challenging fight. However, if you look back on some, and the, maybe the most relevant one was the cigarette industry. And there's been huge progress. People are still smoking, but the numbers are lessened and its acceptance in the culture has changed. And I believe there's an opportunity now to do that with guns. And particularly because the fear is now widespread. Guns used to be an intellectual issue <clears throat> among people and then a smaller number of people who had experienced it personally. But now it's a visceral issue. I mean, people have fears about their children going to school, about going to a supermarket, about going to a church. There is no place that doesn't have, hasn't had a shooting and where people aren't worried that there'll be more shootings. That fear, if it's used responsibly, if it's used for social change, can be a powerful, powerful tool in changing the worship of the gun to the realization of how extraordinarily destructive this instrument of death and injury is.